Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. Well, it's uh, always great to hear stories of uh, what God's doing in our church I want to dive right in this morning and just read Isaiah 62 for us. Um, But to give you a little bit of context here, it's when um, the Old Testament prophet Isaiah was writing during the rebuilding of Jerusalem. We'll talk a little bit more about that soon, but here's Isaiah 62. Because I love Zion, I will not keep still. Because my heart yearns for Jerusalem, I cannot remain silent. I will not stop praying for her until her righteousness shines like the dawn and her salvation blazes like a burning torch. The nations will see your righteousness. World leaders will be blinded by your glory. And you will be given a new name by the Lord's own mouth. The Lord will hold you in his hand for all to see a splendid crown in the hand of God. Never again will you be called the forsaken city or the desolate land. Your new name will be the city of God's delight and the bride of God. For the Lord delights in you and will claim you as his bride. Your children will commit themselves to you, O Jerusalem, just as a young man commits himself to his bride. Then God will rejoice over you as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride. O Jerusalem, I have posted watchmen on your walls. They will pray day and night continually. Take no rest, all you who pray to the Lord. Give the Lord no rest until he completes his work, until he makes Jerusalem the pride of the earth. The Lord has sworn to Jerusalem by his own strength, I will never again hand you over to your enemies. Never again will foreign warriors come and take away your grain and new wine. You raise the grain and you will eat it, praising the Lord. Within the courtyards of the temple, you yourselves will drink the wine you have pressed. Go out through the gates. Prepare the highway for my people to return. Smooth out the road. Pull out the boulders. Raise a flag for all the nations to see. The Lord has sent this message to every land. Tell the people of Israel, look, your Savior is coming. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. They will be called the holy people, the people redeemed by the Lord. And Jerusalem will be known as the desirable place and the city no longer forsaken. I want to share with you um, something to start with. In this season of my life, God has brought a specific verse Uh, that he's laid on my heart. And uh, I just want to share it with you. It's Psalm 90, 12. It says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. If you're like me, it it isn't often that I think about the limited time I have on this earth. I'm not going through a midlife crisis. Don't worry about me. But as I get older and encounter the reality of death more and more, this idea begins to sit with me. Our days on this earth are numbered. 
And I believe the brevity of life should give us pause and lead us to really think about our lives and what we will leave behind when our time in this fleshly body is finished. And the question I want to pose to us throughout this message is, what mark will you leave behind on this world? In a world that is broken and dark, what impact will you make for the good that God is doing? This isn't about capturing your 15 minutes of fame, but it's about giving your life to what really matters most and what will last for the glory of God. And we're in our kind of vision series to kick off the new year. And today's focus is on outreach. Our church's commitment to go out into this world with the message and love of Jesus Christ. And my hope really is for each one of us in our church uh, that we would give our lives back to God. To leave a mark on this broken world that will ultimately be connected to his purposes. And I recognize right up front, there's, there's challenges to us as we seek to number our days. Some of you might be thinking, I am way too young for this. I have my whole life ahead of me. I mean, I'll get around to this question someday when I settle down. And yet I think if we stop and think about it, we know there's no guarantee on the number of our days. There's no promise to a long life. And I really believe life is too short to push aside this question. And others of you might be saying, you know, I'm just way too busy to think about something like this. I just got married. We just had a baby. I get it. We're all busy. Most of us in this room are, are running way too fast. But I don't think we can ever let busyness take away the things in life that matter most. Ideally, priorities should trump busyness. And I even think about you know, what we just did here with a child dedication, all these young kids that God has blessed our church with. And I think about this question, what mark will you leave behind? And as a parent, that's one of the most important questions that you will help your child discover, who God has made them to be and how they can engage and work for God in this world. So with all these challenges, I just want to invite us to pray for a moment and ask God to help us. Lord, we thank you for your word, that we can gather around your word and hear your truth spoken in to our lives. And God, we recognize that we're all coming from different places. Um, some of us are maybe far from you. Some of us are very tired and distracted and wearied. Some of us are experiencing tremendous pain in our lives. Uh, but God, we trust that you are Lord of all, that you are Lord over everything. And we just ask this morning, God, that, that you would speak to us by your Holy Spirit, uh, that you, will, you would get us to think and pray about this question, how are we partnering with you to make a difference in this world? 
And God, as we begin to figure it out and begin to give ourselves back to you, we will just continue to give you all the praise and all the glory because you deserve it. And so we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at Isaiah 62, I want to talk about a couple big ideas about the kingdom of God. And then I want to lead us through a process of helping us to begin to tackle this question. What mark will you leave behind in this world? The first idea gives us a foundation of what God is already doing in this world before we can even begin to talk about ourselves. The first point is God is establishing a kingdom of restoration. God takes what is broken and messed up in this world and he brings restoration, healing, and beauty. The context in Isaiah 62 is the rebuilding of Jerusalem during the times of Ezra and Nehemiah. Jerusalem has been forsaken and destroyed as the Israelites were led out of captivity by the Babylonians. And now the people of God are returning to rebuild a city in ruins. And Jerusalem is a wasteland, but now is returning back to great beauty and delight. Here's what Isaiah writes in verse 4 about Jerusalem. Never again will you be called the God-forsaken city or the desolate land. Your new name will be the city of God's delight and the bride of God. For the Lord delights in you and will claim you as his own. You catch that imagery from God-forsaken and desolate to the city of God's delight, the bride of God. This is what God is in the business of doing throughout human history, restoring brokenness to beauty under his reign and kingship. Our daughter Jenna these days is very much into puzzles. Uh, She will sit on the floor for hours on end working on a puzzle, putting it together, messing it up, and doing it all over again. One day, I'm not exaggerating, four hours straight, she was working on a single puzzle. And I was wondering, is this child neglect to leave my child for four hours working on a puzzle? With a puzzle, there's a predetermined image that you are working towards. A vision for what this will eventually look like when it is completed. And this idea of restoration goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Humans were created by God, and we were given an imprint on our lives, the image of God. Yet this image has been marred through our sin, through our turning away from God. And we are left as kind of like a broken puzzle, scattered into many pieces yet when we enter into a relationship with Christ, God begins to rebuild our lives, put the puzzle pieces back together to restore our intended glory of being made in his image. And I grew up in the, the evangelical church. I, I'm very thankful for my heritage. Uh, but if you're like me and you, you grew up in evangelical theology, I think there is some challenges for us. 
in some sense, we have focused so much on salvation in the sense of escaping, that the priority is getting to heaven. And I believe it's super important, our eternal destiny. But the gospel isn't solely about what will happen after we die. But it's about what's happening right now, here in the present. God wants to bring visible restoration and healing to the lives of people in this world right here and right now. There's probably no greater case for this than the life of Jesus himself. Jesus came into the world not only to die on the cross, but to bring immediate restoration. If Jesus' mission was only about forgiving sin, why did he bother to heal people? When you think about his healing ministry as he walked this earth, giving sight to a blind man, restoration, calling the paralytic to pick up his mat and walk, restoration, to the woman who tugged on his cloak, who had been bleeding for decades, he healed her and brought restoration. This restoration through Jesus reveals that the visible in the right now matters. And if you look at his life on earth, his restorative focus was on people because people are God's prized possession in all of creation. God wants to restore people to wholeness in relationship with him. And yet it's not hard to look around, uh, to watch the news, uh, to know that there's still a lot in this world that needs restoring. There's a well-known parable of a man who was complaining to God about all the suffering in the world. And he asked God this question, God, why don't you do something about all the suffering? And God responds to the man and says, I did, I made you. Now, why don't you do something about it? And this story illustrates the next big idea that God's plan of restoration involves us. And we are invited to give our lives to what he is doing. So the second point is kingdom participation. God invites us to participate in this process of restoration. We're not called to be spectators, but to fully give ourselves to what God is doing. It's really amazing the whole reality TV epidemic that's overtaken our culture. I've got sucked in. Uh, it really got started with Big Brother and Survivor uh, back in the late 90s, early 2000s. But it's amazing. There's hundreds upon hundreds of reality TV shows. We are now so accustomed to watching other people live that life could easily become more about being a spectator rather than a participant. And yet I think, you know, all of us long for something more. All of us long to give our lives an active participation to something bigger than ourselves. And going back to Isaiah 62, here hear the words of the speaker and this, this desire and passion that he has for Jerusalem. He says, because I love Zion, I will not keep still. Because my heart yearns for Jerusalem, I cannot remain silent. I will not stop praying for her until her righteousness shines like the dawn. 
and her salvation blazes like a burning torch. Here's a person whose heart breaks for God to restore his city. A a person who is dismayed by the desolation of Jerusalem. A person who will not give in to silence or become passive, but will engage in the fight through prayer and work until the day is seen, the day comes when Jerusalem is brought back to God's glory, God's salvation. In a similar time, and in a similar way, Nehemiah chapter 1 records Nehemiah's response when he hears what's happening in Jerusalem. Some people brought word to him and said, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. This is Nehemiah. He said, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Nehemiah was broken over the brokenness of his people in his city. When it comes to the question, what mark will you leave behind in this world? How is God calling you to participate in what he's doing in restoring this world? I think we need to look at where does our heart break? When does our heart weep for the things that break the heart of God? As we pay, as we pay attention to where our heart is breaking, I believe this is a key part of how God is going to re- reveal to us his invitation to be involved in his kingdom. I want to give proper credit to Pastor Bill Hybels of Willow Creek Community Church, because it was a few years ago that I heard about this whole idea from a message he gave. And he later wrote a book called Holy Discontent. And the rest of this message, I want to walk us through this idea. I'm going to rename it a little just to be different than Bill Hybels, I guess. I'm going to call it Holy Burden. And here's how I want to define it. It's, it's an area of brokenness in this world that God has broken your heart for and called you to get involved with. Your holy burden is something in this world that you just can't stand. It frustrates you. It bothers you. It wrecks your heart. It causes so much of a burden in you that you can't remain passive. You want to engage in the fight to see God restore and mend this brokenness. You look at some of the great people in human history, like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He just couldn't tolerate or stand racism anymore. No matter what the cost was, he was going to give his life to fight for equality. Or you look at Mother Teresa and the burden that God gave her for the poor. She was broken and had to do something about it to show the poor that they, they were loved and that they mattered to God. It's always hard using these famous people because we think, oh, there's no way God's going to do something that, like that with me. But I really believe active kingdom participation, it involves each one of us who are following Christ. And when God reveals 
the holy burden that he has given you, it gives you a focus for your life. Where to pour your time and your energy to join with God. And I don't believe it has to be connected to your vocation or career. But I believe it's something that you will give the rest of your life to fight for. And since there's so much brokenness in this world, the possibilities really are endless for for where God might call you with your holy burden. A friend of mine, he's in his 60s now, has a passion for justice and truth, specifically within the church. And he is broken and dismayed over the allegations against clergy with child abuse. And so he started a nonprofit organization to fight for the truth, that justice would be served. I know many people who are very involved in their church, yet are in corporate America. And God has called them there. And they have a burden that corporate America would be different. As as they climb the ladder, it wouldn't be about gaining money for themselves and status, but influence for the kingdom of God. It could be an ethnic people group that your heart breaks for them to know Christ. It could be to give your life to serve the poor and to walk with them and build relationships with them. Your holy burden could be connected to a specific place like North Korea or China or Haiti or Bolivia. It could be to help rescue children who are trapped in the sex slave trade. It could be that your heart breaks for people that are struggling with their marriages. You want to just get involved in their lives and help them see God's way for marriage. Even though the the possibilities are endless, and I think often we get so scattered in our lives, I believe it's important to try and focus on one holy burden, giving you a clear sense of call and purpose and focus. So now I just want to briefly walk us through four stages of engaging your holy burden. And recognizing that all of us are in a different place with this. Some of you, this is the first time you're hearing anything along these lines. And wherever we're at, though, I mean, our church is committed to helping people take next steps. I want to invite you to take a next step to discover and engage your holy burden. So the first stage is pretty obvious, discovering your holy burden. The goal here is to be able to name it, to be able to write it down, to be able to share it with others. One of my favorite movies of all time is The Patriot. I think it was released in like early 2000. I was watching it last night to give me some motivation for this sermon this morning. But the main character, Benjamin Martin, is a former war hero in the French and Indian War. And he's now settled down. He has a family in South Carolina. His wife passed away, so he's now taking care of his seven children. And as the Revolutionary War breaks out, uh, Benjamin Martin is very reluctant and hesitant to support the war effort. Probably because he's got seven kids at home he's trying to take care of. But then in a tragedy where one of his sons is killed by a British general, Martin experiences the personal pain and woundedness that leads him to get involved in the war effort. See, the reason is the cause of war has finally become personal for him. I think this is an important principle. It's often in our pain and we are, where we are wounded 
been wounded, that God begins to reveal the holy burden that he is calling you to. When you look back at your story, uh, your life, are there areas of pain and brokenness that you have experienced? That might be an indicator where God is calling you to get involved. Maybe you had experiences in your childhood that really wounded you. Because of that, God has given you a heart for children to protect and to nurture them. Maybe you immigrated to this country and you know the loneliness of having to start over. And through that pain, God has given you a heart for people who are new to this nation. Maybe you know someone who has special needs and it breaks your heart to see what they have to go through in this cruel world. And you want to give your life to show people with special needs that they matter and are loved like God. So pay attention, attention to your story. Pay attention to your pain where you've been wounded in discovering your holy burden. But another way to look at this is what makes you weep? When is the last time you cried? Not just a little tear, but cried a lot. And is it something that is connected to what breaks the heart of God? If you're weeping because your team didn't make the playoffs, or were 15-1 and one and got booted out in the first round, that, that's probably not your holy burden. Not, not probably, it's not your holy burden. But really, we need to pay attention to where our heart breaks. And part of the process of discovering your holy burden is just to increase your exposure to, to areas in this world that there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of discomfort. Uh, it's not fun walking into the room in this place. And begin to see where does God move in your heart. So if you're in this stage, you're like, I have no clue what my holy burden is. I want you to take a next step uh, to, to look at your story, where you have been wounded. Talk to people who are close to you and invite them to speak into this area. And then begin to, begin to get involved in just various areas of brokenness in this world and see where God moves your heart. Once you discover and can name your holy burden, the next step is to fully embrace it. And the trick here is since it's a burden and it's going to break your heart as you get more involved with it, the temptation will always be to run away, to flee the pain discomfort. But embracing your holy burden will involve entering into the pain in greater ways and letting your heart feel the full measure of brokenness. And I think when you get to that place, it's a place of desperation. Uh, the temptation could be to go to despair, but then I think it, it calls us to turn to God, to re be reminded that he truly is the one that can change these people, this situation. I, I've been working out a little bit more lately. I don't know if you guys can tell or not. Uh, we've all heard of the phrase, though, no pain, no gain. When you're working out, if you're not sweating, you're, if you're not uncomfortable, if you're not experiencing pain, you, you probably really aren't doing that much. 
It's when you break down your muscles, uh, when you begin to sweat, that, that you build it up, that you gain more endurance. And this, this principle applies to our holy burden. It's through entering into the pain more deeply that God will, will reveal more and more what he's asking you to do. It's in the pain he's going to give you vision as you pray about the situation. Again, I look back to the life of Jesus and specifically the incarnation that Christ entered into the mess of this world of becoming fully human. He put on flesh to save and restore us. And Hebrews 4 says that Jesus in his humanity experienced all the temptation of this broken world. So even God himself did not flee the pain, discomfort. He entered into it more fully to rescue us. So the next step here, if you're in a place that you can name your holy burden, but you aren't sure what to do next, uh, just fully engage your heart. Get more involved. Increase your exposure to the brokenness through experiences, through relationships, through educating yourself. And the next stage, stage three, is fighting for your holy burden. This picture I thought was just pretty cool, this cat flying out of the air. But going back to Isaiah 62, the speaker says, O Jerusalem, I have posted watchmen on your walls. They will pray day and night continually. Take no rest, all you who pray to the Lord. Give the Lord no rest until he completes his work, until he makes Jerusalem the pride of the earth. The speaker is talking about men and women who will not rest but continue to labor in prayer until Jerusalem is restored. The fight for your holy burden begins on your knees before the Lord in prayer. Again, this is a spiritual burden, something that God is doing in us. So it's rightly, rightfully so that it will require a, a focus on prayer and coming to the one who ultimately can bring the change, can bring the restoration and the beauty. Look at verse 7 again. It says, Give the Lord no rest until he completes his work, until he makes Jerusalem the pride of the earth. The speaker is almost talking about like this battle in prayer that almost implies that God will become weary of our prayers. But this is not a battle against God, but a partnership with him. Through our prayers, we do labor for restoration. And let's just be honest, to fight for your holy burden it's, it's going to require extreme sacrifices of time, resources, prayer. It's going to be an emotional heartache. It will continue to break you. It will be a journey that will not be easy. But it will be a joy because you give your life to God to see his re restoration become accomplished in this world. If you're in this place where you know your holy burden and you your heart has fully broken over it. I think the next step is to continue to increase the amount of time, energy, and focus to pray 
and to engage in the fight. And let's be honest, there's lots of opportunities to partner with God in our world. And this might require you to say no to some things you're already doing uh, so you can become more focused to fully engage in the fight. The last step I want to suggest is that you begin to rally others to join you in fighting for your holy burden and participating in God's work of bringing brokenness to beauty. Isaiah 62, 10 says, Go out through the gates, prepare the highway for my people to return. Smooth out the road, pull out the boulders, raise a flag for all the nations to see. This stage is when you are the one who doesn't shut up about this issue. You are the one who raises the banner and the flag when you go to your community group, when you go to your workplace and your neighborhood. It's no secret to anybody else the passion God has given you for this fight, for your holy burden. And I really believe through your commitment and perseverance, others will join with you as you raise the banner. And you will multiply the efforts for God's purposes. And this is a beautiful thing when it actually happens. And, you know, to be honest with you, I was just thinking about our church and where I've seen this kind of happen, this engagement with a holy burden. And I can't help but think of Jenny Bang and how God placed within her a holy burden for the children of Haiti. She knew what her holy burden was. She embraced it fully. She entered into the brokenness of it, the pain of it. And she fought for it with her prayers, through trips, through her time. And then she rallied other people. She rallied our church to get involved with Haiti. I want to go back to the big ideas. The the first one, God is establishing a kingdom of restoration. Really, this should give us great hope. The darkness and brokenness that we see in, in this world is in the process of being restored today. And one day, the full restoration will come when Christ returns. So as we enter into this holy burden, let us live with hope, knowing that the glory of God is being revealed every day as he restores this world and brings beauty out of the mess. Regarding our kingdom participation, we're not called to be spectators, but to get involved. And this is really not a burden. This is really a joy that we have the privilege of giving our lives to partner with God. So again, the question from the beginning, what mark will you leave behind in this world? I know that's a big question. It's not too late, though, or too early to begin to wrestle with it. And it can begin to be answered this week by taking a small step in in the direction of exploring and engaging your holy burden. And just to be honest, I don't have all this figured out. I'm in stage one 
of discovering my holy burden. There's a lot of things in, in the world that causes me angst, uh, yet I'm still trying to discover what's that one thing that God is calling me to dedicate my life to. But in the last couple of months, I've had some experiences uh, through watching a few movies, actually, and relationships that I, I believe God is beginning to surface something. And it's related to the issue of fatherlessness in our world. And uh, I love being a dad. It's been a dream of mine since I was like 16, to be honest with you. I wasn't pursuing that dream at that time, though. But my heart, you know, I had the privilege of having a great father. And I love being a dad uh, to my kids. But my heart is breaking for for kids that didn't have that. Um, And there's certain individuals in my life that I know of that I believe God is calling me to take a next step to. So do you know your holy burden? If not, that's where you need to begin. Pay attention to what moves your heart, what breaks your heart. Talk to your community group. Ask them, what do you see in me? Can you help me with this? And just begin to get involved. On our website, Local Outreach, we have various opportunities to engage in the brokenness in our local community. We have Tuba City coming up again. Maybe it's going on a mission trip. And if you do have the gift that God has revealed, his, the holy burden he's given you, first, I mean, just celebrate and thank God that he's shown you that. And then begin to ask, have you fully embraced it? Are you fully broken over it? Are you fighting for it with your prayers and your time? And have you begun to rally others? to join with you in the fight. I want to do something right now because, you know, our our vision is that we're taking next steps towards God, towards one another, towards making a difference in this world. And, you know, again, I'm asking you, are you willing to take a next step to discover and engage your holy burden? So what I want to do right now is I wrap us up in prayer. I want to invite those of you who are willing to commit to take a next step, just to stand up uh, while I pray. Uh, Just an act before God and your brothers and sisters that I will begin this journey. I will continue this journey towards my holy burden and fighting for God to turn what is broken into what is beautiful. Uh, So if you're in that place and can make that commitment, I just invite you to stand up right now, just where you're at, Uh, as I close us in prayer. God, first we want to thank you that this is your work. This this is your kingdom. uh, That you are not a God who is compassionless. You are not a God who is uh, callous towards the brokenness in this world. Uh, but your heart moves and breaks uh, for, for seeing your people and all creation wander into the decay, and apathy, and deadness. But God, we also know that you are a God of hope and you are a God who is on the move today. 
And today, God, that you are building your kingdom, a kingdom of restoration and beauty and wholeness and rightness and justice. And, And so, God, we ask, God, that as we rise up to join with you, God, that we would first look to you in prayer in worship, God, acknowledging you are the one that can change things. And then that you would lead us to this place of surrender, saying, God, show me where you're calling me to get involved. And once you show us, God, may we respond in obedience, faithfulness, and passion, and joy. God, we thank you that you're doing something beautiful in this world. You're doing something beautiful in our lives as you continue to mend us and bring us back to yourself. And so, God, we say, lead on, King Jesus. Lead us to give our lives to what matters most. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we invite you to be... Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.